Welcome to the Climate of Change podcast. My name is Ben, and we are on our second episode of 2024. For those of us in the Southern Hemisphere, it has been very warm, and for those in the Northern Hemisphere, some of you have had extreme cold, while others of you have had very mild winters. In today's episode, I speak to Anne Durif about her research using artificial intelligence to investigate climate extremes, and we also discuss climate anxiety and politics. That interview is coming up right after this introduction, so hang tight. If you'd prefer to jump to the news section, which covers all of the main stories being reported in January 2024, skip ahead to the 11-minute mark, and the reflection is at the 21-minute mark. And as always, if you'd like to ask us a question or leave us a comment, please go to our website at climateofchange.net and send us a message. And with that, let's go to the interview. Hello, Anne. How are you going today? I'm good, and you? I'm good, thank you. I'm wondering, how is the weather going for you at the moment? Is it normal right now, or has it been unusual or extreme? Uh, No, nothing extreme. We are in winter, but it's really warm. Like, we're supposed to have around 5 degree temperature, but we actually have 15. So, (laughs) just global warming, and it's a bit rainy. So, yeah, nothing special. To kick things off, I wonder if you could tell us about who you are and what you do. So, I'm from France, from Paris. I did some uh, engineering studies uh, in mathematics. So, I'm a mathematician, especially artificial intelligence. And first, I wanted to do some finance because it was really interesting. in terms of mathematics, but then I realized after an internship that it was really terrible <laughs> because there was no sense to me to wake up every morning and to go to work and just make a bank richer. Uh, yeah, I kind of really took time to think of what I really want to do about what I want to become. And then uh, I also started taking time to inform myself about climate change. And I, I'm very curious. And uh, yeah, I have a scientific mind. So I started to go into this and I couldn't get out because it was really a huge, huge problem and it, it's growing so important for us. So I started to go into climate change and I was like, okay, artificial intelligence is what I'm doing, but can I apply it to climate change? Can I help with it? Can it make a small revolution in this field? And that's how, after my studies, I wanted to search for an offer in climate change and artificial intelligence. Why research? Also because this is public and I didn't want to work just for a private company and uh, that my work couldn't be used. And now I know that everybody can use what I do and it's, it can be useful to everybody. So where are you located at the moment and what are you working on? Uh, yeah, so I'm in Toulouse in France. So it's southwest uh, of France. And I'm working in a research lab that is called the Cerfax. I'm in the climate team and in my job is uh, about climate extremes. So what happens in climate is that you have different simulations of how the climate is going to become depending on some scenarios. Like if we keep the business as usual and depending on those scenarios, they are different also on carbon emissions. There are different ways that the earth and ecosystems are going to react. This is how the global warming can be more or less problematic. And my job is to check how climate extremes like heat waves or flooding, etc., how bad they become in different scenarios. So in the worst scenario, for instance, the, the durations of the or the intensity are getting very bad. And in better scenarios, they, it's better, but it's still, there is some point that we can't go back anyway. But my job is to analyze how extremes vary and change with climate change. 
I was quite interested in your work on developing digital twins for climate research. I wonder if you could explain what a digital twin is and why is it important? So a digital twin, it's a very fashionable word that we are using. It means that the twin is the twin of the of the Earth. And the idea is that we simulate the Earth, but on our computers and we simulate its behavior. And the idea of the digital twin is to make it accessible to people, to scientists, so that they can uh, simulate or, or see what's going to happen in different situations. And yeah. And how have you used AI in your work? And why is it important to use AI in climate change research? There are different benefits. I would say first is faster because the thing is that when you have simulations over the Earth, it's a very big, very big system because you have the time, like if you have daily variables and uh, over every little point uh, in the earth, I mean, it's a grid. It's not every every kilometer, but it's still big simulations. And uh, when you simulate data over Earth, it's always a matter of probabilities. So you would realize probability distribution in one try. But if you want to have something precise and to reduce uncertainties, uh, you would need to do it a few times. And this is how you get you get something more precise. So you have a lot, a lot of data and artificial intelligence really helps to get the most of this whole data. And if you were using only analytical tools, it would take so much time and it's really time consuming for researchers. And so it really helps to have these tools for big data. And uh, the second point is that you have data that is mathematically, it's really complex data. It's not linear data. You cannot just do some regressions or because it's like systems that are like super complex. And artificial intelligence helps because it allows to analyze very, very complex data by extracting features that we couldn't ourselves understand that could be very difficult to put into equations or to physically comprehend. That's why it's important to analyze data that is complex, not non-linear, and that can have patterns that are undetectable by humans or even by basic algorithms. So what are some of the results that you're finding from your research? Is there anything that stands out for you in particular? That I can tell you if you want, like in the worst case scenario, like business as usual, and we don't do anything, the proportion of extremes, if we consider that right now there is 1% of extremes in Western Europe, there will be 20%, so 20 times more by 2100. And while the maximum duration of a heat wave right now is about a week, it's going to be 55 days in 2100. So you see, that's my results, and it can be surprising, but it's just, yeah, sometimes it just raises anxiety. Well, that's quite um, scary to hear. Uh, I wonder, do you ever experience climate anxiety and how do you deal with it? I would say mostly I try to ignore it, but in my professional life, I'm already, I'm already working for this. And uh, in my personal life, I'm also a vegetarian. I don't take the plane. I'm doing a lot of training to people around me to speak about climate change, to explain uh, the consequences, how it's going to happen, how you can reduce uh, your carbon footprint. So this is a way to use your anxiety to change something. But it's also nice to have some people who know, who are a bit like me. And yeah, I have some friends to whom I can really speak about this. And sometimes we, are, we just feel anxious, but we need to speak to each other. I was also wondering how you feel about politics of climate change, not just our own national governments, but also international efforts such as the United Nations Conference of the Parties. I don't know. I think it's good that COPs exist, but it's really frustrating to see how they don't 
do anything. Like they just meet and nothing happens. It's just like speaking and speaking and speaking. And yeah, like lobbies are too strong. Politics are just don't feel concerned. And it's also because we as rich countries, we don't really care. Like, I mean, politics don't really care because the richest are gonna just buy AC if they if it's too warm. And yeah, it's really, I don't know. Like sometimes I speak to people and they are like, like I was at the doctor's and she was like, oh, what do you do in life? And I'm like, oh, I'm a research engineer in climate. She's like, oh, okay, but we're all, go we're all gonna die anyway. And I was like, Yeah, we're all gonna die, but it's not a world I want to give to my kids or to my friends. Well, people's apathy about the climate crisis is always frustrating, I find. It might be easy for rich and privileged people to have that opinion, but I'm wondering, how do you think climate change impacts lower socioeconomic communities? Yeah, we definitely have a responsibility about this, and that's why I was thinking about being a rich in a rich country. Like even in France, you will see like in South of France, it starts to have flooding around the coast and etc. And it's really, there is like, there is already inequalities in France, but it's terrible for other countries, especially warmer countries uh, who have less, less money to handle this. Because even like with the global warming, there are going to be several days here where people just like the human, just a human cannot survive if there is no AC, of course, but there is no AC in poor countries. That's why also in France, people don't care so much, I think, is because we are too rich. Like we, we don't realize that if it's too warm, like some people are going to die because for us, if it's too warm, we're just going to go in a, in a cold place because we are rich. I think it's really, really a problem of inequalities and it's also our responsibility as a rich country to take this into account but this is not what politics uh, especially right-wing politics are gonna think of is there anything you feel you want to say that we haven't covered maybe the position of scientists with respect to like activism and for me it's really important to be a bit in, uh, involved in associations in Speaking about climate change around me, but it's really like it's a really tricky position because you also have the position of a scientist who has objective facts. And it's quite difficult, like especially in this kind of podcast, because there are some facts, like I'm telling you the facts about the maximum duration of 55 days or whatever. Like there are some facts, uh, and they also are my opinions, and the opinions are really different, but they are based on the facts as well. And yeah, I think it's quite quite difficult to speak to people and so that they know that some of what you're saying is really facts and sometimes it's quite difficult to yeah just to make people realize that you're not telling your opinion you're just telling scientific facts that's a very good point people often don't understand the severity of the climate crisis and it can easily be misinterpreted as extremism rather than actual scientific fact And I just want to say thank you so much for taking part in the interview today. And thank you for all the work you do in trying to address the climate crisis. I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you very much. It was really interesting speaking to you and uh, good luck for your project because it's really an amazing project to share this podcast uh, with people as well. Climate news during January 2024 included developments across a wide variety of topics, one of the most memorable being record-breaking climate conditions. The year 2023 was officially declared the hottest year on record, surpassing previous highs by significant margins. This trend is expected to continue, with projections suggesting even higher temperatures in the future. Research also showed that a severe drought in the Amazon 
driven primarily by human-induced global warming, has had devastating effects on the ecosystem, including record low river levels, isolation of communities, and wildlife casualties. Meanwhile, the Marshall Islands face extreme wave events, causing significant damage and highlighting the increased risks of dangerous coastal phenomenon due to climate change. And extreme cold air outbreaks occurred in the United States, demonstrating that while average temperatures are increasing due to climate change, increasing extreme conditions, both warm and cold, are occurring around the world. Alongside this comes the related cost of climate disasters with the United States witnessing a historic number of billion dollar disasters in 2023, underscoring the costly impact of extreme weather events. In terms of renewable energy challenges and progress that was reported in January 2024, the offshore wind sector experienced setbacks and advancements. Energy giants BP and Equinor canceled a significant project in New York due to economic challenges, including inflation and supply chain issues. Similar cancellations and threats to cancel contracts have been reported in other US states, highlighting the volatile nature of the renewable energy industry. Despite these hurdles, the Vineyard Wind Project marked a milestone as the first turbine began generating power, showcasing the potential for offshore wind in the US. In regards to international climate commitments that were reported in January 2024, Germany's carbon emissions fell to a post-1950s low driven by reduced coal use and lower industrial output, signalling progress towards sustainability. Meanwhile, China's BYD overtook Tesla as the leading electric vehicle manufacturer, reflecting the shifting dynamics in the clean energy sector. The US government's support for low-carbon hydrogen production and the scrutiny of climate disaster impacts and pipeline practices in various regions were also noted and underscore the global efforts towards cleaner energy and sustainable practice. In regards to climate policy debates that were reported in January 2024, the UK's climate leadership was questioned as former Energy Minister Chris Skidmore resigned in protest against new oil and gas drilling plans, highlighting the political tensions surrounding climate policies. On a global scale, the appointment of Azerbaijan's Environmental Minister as the COP29 president and discussions around ambitious EU climate targets for 2040 reflect the ongoing negotiations and challenges in aligning international policies with climate goals. Meanwhile, John Kerry, the US climate envoy, resigned, leaving the effectiveness of the US global outreach in question. In terms of research and innovation, studies emphasise the need for diversified agricultural production in Africa and cautioned against the potential drawbacks of certain climate interventions. Research on Antarctic ice melt and the genetic adaptations of Antarctic octopuses served as stark reminders of the urgent need to address climate change. News relating to migration and human impact noted that because climate change has intensified challenges in Africa, where rising sea levels, hotter temperatures and other climate issues have exacerbated poverty, migrants are being driven to embark on perilous journeys through deserts and seas. In terms of the cultural impacts of climate change, there is a growing awareness of its impact on winter sports. The warming climate has affected winter sports due to rising temperatures, altering snow and ice patterns. This not only affects millions of enthusiasts, but also has broader economic implications for regions dependent on winter tourism and sports industries. In terms of legal and corporate responses, Montana's Supreme Court upheld a landmark climate ruling, emphasising that emissions cannot be ignored reflecting the growing recognition of legal accountability in addressing climate change. Furthermore, 
CEOs express growing concerns over the survivability of their companies in the face of climate challenges and the rise of artificial intelligence, indicating the broad economic implications of environmental issues. In terms of policy actions that were reported in January 2024 at the World Economic Forum in Davos, climate change, conflict and artificial intelligence were top priorities, highlighting the interconnectedness of global challenges. Additionally, several states are taking action to facilitate green projects by overriding local zoning restrictions that block large-scale renewable energy developments, demonstrating a proactive approach to achieving climate goals. In addition to these news headlines, we also source information from the Global Energy Monitor. You can support the efforts of this important organisation by donating to their cause. Two of their bulletins highlight the challenges facing the fossil fuel sectors. Their Coal Wire Bulletin highlights the tension between the ongoing reliance on coal and the increasing shift towards renewable energy sources. Key developments in January 2024 included South Africa's energy policy and air pollution concerns. South Africa's draft integrated resources plan for 2023 sparked controversy by proposing a significant reduction in solar and wind generation compared to the 2019 plan, favouring coal, gas and nuclear projects. This shift has been criticised for its lack of cost transparency and unrealistic emphasis on centralised energy projects. Additionally, concerns about air pollution from ESCOM's coal fleet remain unaddressed, despite public and analyst outcry for a more environmentally sustainable approach. Also highlighted by the bulletin were global coal plant closures and renewable energy growth. There has been a notable trend of coal plant closures globally, driven by the rapid increase in renewable energy sources like solar and wind, particularly in the US, where coal production has dropped to levels last seen in the early 1960s. This pattern is echoed in Europe, with countries like Germany and Poland closing plants that temporarily revive for energy security. The International Energy Agency's Renewables 2023 report underscores the economic advantage of renewables over coal, predicting a significant reshaping of global electricity markets. There were notable policy shifts and economic transitions in Europe. For example, Poland and Bulgaria are undergoing policy shifts and economic transitions away from coal, influenced by both internal and external pressures. The newly elected Polish government has expressed a commitment to the EU's emissions reduction targets, recognising the economic inevitability of coal plant closures by 2030, despite previous opposition. Bulgaria expects market forces to drive the closure of its coal plants by 2030, and Slovakia has announced the closure of its last coal plant due to lack of commercial viability. There are also challenges in India regarding funding for coal projects. India faces significant challenges in managing air pollution, with coal plants being a major contributor. Despite the National Clean Air Program launched in 2019, gaps in implementation persist. The approval of new coal plants and expansions, such as those proposed by Coal India and Adani Power, exacerbates the situation. Meanwhile, funding for coal projects in Asia is becoming increasingly scarce, though some national and regional banks continue to support new coal mines and power plants, highlighting the ongoing reliance on coal in parts of the region. The Global Energy Monitor also produces the Inside Gas Bulletin, which highlights several critical developments and challenges within the global gas industry, focusing on the geopolitical, environmental and legal aspects that are shaping the sector. This includes the aforementioned development in South Africa's energy policy and legal challenges relating to it. South Africa's reliance on gas is underscored by its contentious involvement with power ships gas-to-power ships, which have faced delays and environmental opposition. 
Despite these issues, the South African government remains committed to gas in its draft power plan, raising concerns about the country's vulnerability to gas import volatility and unclear planning assumptions. Additionally, legal and due diligence concerns in South Africa, as well as in Cyprus, regarding gas projects, spotlight the complexities of integrating gas into national energy strategies while ensuring compliance and environmental stewardship. The global gas industry is increasingly intersecting with geopolitical tensions and environmental vulnerabilities. The Russian Arctic, for example, has become a focal point for geopolitical and environmental concerns, reflecting the broader challenges of relying on gas amidst global efforts to combat climate change. In the US, public resistance and potential regulatory actions against LNG projects and methane emissions highlight the growing scrutiny of the gas sector's environmental impact. There were also notable developments regarding the European energy transition and legal rulings that relate to it. Europe's commitment to phasing out coal and gas by 2035, alongside legal rulings against oil and gas projects in Norway and Australia, indicates a significant shift towards cleaner energy sources and respect for environmental and indigenous rights. These developments reflect the broader global trend of re-evaluating the role of gas in the energy transition, balancing economic interests with environmental sustainability and legal obligations. Climate change is a reality that's impacting our lives more and more every day. It's natural to feel a mixture of anxiety, fear and uncertainty when facing such a global challenge. So in today's reflection, I'm going to mention a few steps that can help us. And as I go through each of them, I won't label them, I won't introduce them, I won't try to make them concrete or tangible. I will simply speak about them briefly. And if you're listening and reflecting on these steps, maybe think about what they mean for you and your life and whether or not they resonate with you. And if that kind of reflection isn't your thing, you can simply listen to the sound of my voice or even mark this episode as finished. Do whatever is right for you. Acknowledging the reality of climate change and its impacts on our lives and the world is important. This isn't about inducing fear or guilt, but rather facing the truth head on. By acknowledging the challenge, we lay the foundation for meaningful action and change. It's about understanding our own feelings towards these global changes and starting to think about how we can respond constructively. Belief in the possibility of change is also important. Amidst alarming headlines and dire predictions, maintaining hope is essential. This is about believing that our actions, no matter how small, can contribute to positive change. It's a reminder that each of us has a role to play in shaping a more sustainable future and that together our collective actions can create significant impact. Making a decision to act is where our intentions take shape. It's about moving from acknowledgement and belief to concrete decisions. Here, we commit to being part of the solution, whether it's through lifestyle changes, activism, or simply staying informed or educating others. This commitment is personal and varies for everyone, but it's a critical step in turning our anxiety into action. Taking a personal inventory involves reflecting on how our individual actions and lifestyle choices contribute to the bigger picture of climate change. It's a time for self-reflection and honesty. What are our daily habits? What are our consumption patterns? 
and what are our overall lifestyle choices that might be contributing to the problem. This introspection isn't about self-judgment, but about understanding and recognizing where we have the power to make changes. Admitting the impact of our actions is crucial for coming to terms with our impact and our responsibility. This means acknowledging that our choices, whether it's how we travel, what we consume, or how we use resources, have repercussions on the environment. It's about owning up to our part in the broader environmental narrative and understanding that our actions, big and small, contribute to the state of our planet and of our society. Preparing ourselves for change is about mental and emotional readiness. Change, especially when it comes to deeply ingrained habits or beliefs, is not easy. It requires readiness and resilience. This preparation might involve learning new things, opening up to different perspectives, and being willing to step out of our comfort zones. It's a critical step in ensuring that our intentions to make a difference are met with the resolve to see them through. Seeking guidance and learning from others is incredibly valuable. There are countless environmental leaders, scientists, educators, and activists who have valuable insights and experiences to share. Even people who are not considered experts or public figures may have experience that can be valuable. This can include our friends, our family, our co-workers, or even strangers. This step is about seeking out knowledge, learning from others' experiences, and integrating that learning into our, our own journey. It's a reminder that we don't have to navigate this alone. There's a wealth of collective knowledge out there. Creating a list of actionable steps is where our intentions and preparations start to materialize into concrete actions. This could involve simple lifestyle changes, like reducing waste or conserving energy, or more significant commitments like advocating for policy changes or supporting environmental causes. The key is to translate our awareness and readiness into specific practical actions that align with our individual capacity and our individual circumstances. Taking action and making amends is about implementing our list of changes and actively working to reduce our environmental footprint. This could mean altering our daily habits, participating in community efforts, or even larger scale activism. It's about living our commitment to the environment and doing our part to rectify the issues we've acknowledged. This is when our individual actions begin to weave into the larger tapestry of collective environmental stewardship. Continual reflection on our journey is crucial. This is not a one-time effort, but a lifelong commitment to bettering our relationship with the environment. Regularly reviewing our choices, celebrating our successes, and identifying areas for further improvement helps us to stay on course. It's about being adaptable and responsive to new information and continuously striving to do better. It's important to remember that sometimes the journey can be even more important than the destination. Although in the case of climate change, they are both very important steps and from our perspective, one cannot go without the other.
Developing a deep connection with the natural world is important and can bring a profound sense of purpose and belonging. This connection might come through spending time in nature, or it might come through engaging in practices like meditation or mindfulness, or simply being more aware of the natural beauty around us or that exists on the planet now or has existed on the planet in the past. It's about fostering a deeper appreciation and respect for the environment, which in turn strengthens our commitment to protecting it. Sharing our journey with others can be incredibly powerful. By sharing our experiences, challenges, failures, and successes, we can inspire and encourage others. It's about creating a community of support, learning from each other, and reminding ourselves that we're not alone in this fight. Our stories have the power to motivate others and amplify the impact of our actions. As we navigate the challenges of climate change, adapting these principles can provide a structured approach to managing our anxieties and turning them into positive action. It's about moving from feeling overwhelmed to taking empowered steps towards a sustainable future. Each step, each action, no matter how small, contributes to a larger movement of change. And in this journey, we find not only a way to combat climate anxiety, but also a path to becoming proactive guardians of our planet. The best response to your anxiety may be to take action and do something towards helping the planet and human civilization into a more sustainable future.